0: If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this super duper
1: brand new episode. who smells new. Of Mind Pump. For the first 40 minutes, we kind of uh, have some fun conversation. We don't talk a whole lot about fitness, but we do have fun. And then we get into the fitness part of this episode. So here's what we talked about in that first part of this episode. We start out by talking about pickup lines and multiple personalities. That's right. They do go together. <laughs> Find out how we make the connection in this, uh, that part of this episode. Use
2: Rico Suave, that guy.
1: Then we talked about Kettle and Fire, our new sponsor. They make mm. organic bone broths, my favorites. Um, and they also have food products like they had chili, organic chili that I had uh, over the weekend. I put it over rice. Great macro br- uh, breakdown very delicious, all organic and grass-fed, and we got you guys a hookup. If you go to kettleandfire.com forward slash mindpump, you'll get 15% off all products and free shipping if you buy six or more cartons of their product. Then we talked about ButcherBox. ButcherBox delivers to your door grass-fed, high-quality meats at amazing prices. In fact, If you use our link, you get an additional discount. Here's what you do. Go to butcherbox.com forward slash mind pump, and you'll get $20 off and two pounds of wild Alaskan sockeye salmon between May 1st and May 15th. Yum. Oh, yeah. We talked about training for your circadian rhythm. I talked about my son's volleyball game and their undefeated season. Boom. Take that, all the other schools. (laughs) Uh, Suck it. We talked about gratitude for adversity. And the growth it brings. Adam drops some wisdom nuggets, and that part of this episode. Does that Ooh, make sense? Wisdom nuggets. It works. You're using my nugget term. Yeah. Then we got into the fitness part of this episode. The first fitness question: This person is fallen in love with working out with weights, but they find it boring to train biceps. That's right. Some people don't like to train biceps. We give some advice how you can make your bicep training fun and more effective. Start doing it in the squat rack. The next fitness question, uh, we talk a lot of crap about running. This person's like, hey, man, can running be done effectively? Like, If so, how would one want go, go about doing this? First off, we don't think running is stupid. We just think it's stupid for most people, and we tell you how to do it the right way in that part of this episode. Mm. The next question, if somebody's been in a prolonged calorie deficit, a.k.a. diet, and then they start to binge – how would that affect their metabolism? And the finally, final question, we go over a typical day of eating. Very exciting. Justin loved that part of the episode.
2: <laughs> One of the most boring seshes ever.
1: That's right. Also, it's May. You know what that means, boys? Yeah. Summer is around the corner. Oh, yeah. And when pe- when summer is around the corner, people start thinking about looking sexy with their clothes off. They want to look good with their shirt off, with their bikinis on. This usually means they gotta get lean and they wanna get lean a little bit faster than they normally do. I wanna look good naked. Here's the deal. The best short term fat burning program that we have is our maps hit program, and we're making it fifty percent off. Half off for everybody to help you get ready for summer. So what we've done in the MAPS Hit program was we've we've put together different HIT style programs. Workouts, uh, high-intensity interval training with barbells and dumbbells, programmed and done right. These workouts are short, but they are hard. They burn a shit ton of body fat and calories. And now it's fifty percent off. Here's what you got to do: go to maps, hit M A P S H I I T. There's two Y's in there. dot com. I I and use the code HIT fifty H I I T five zero no space for the discount. Get ready for summer. Get maps hit, it's half off. Did I ever tell you about the uh, the best pickup line I've ever heard in my entire life? Say it. It's uh. Say it. Wait, it's not really. Wait, right. wait, wait. Okay, I'm the girl. All right. It's yeah. not really that good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, how's it going? I, it's not really that good. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> pretend on Justin. Yeah, he's yeah, you just doing a good right job. Right here. Yeah, pretend on Justin. Uh, Ooh. It, so I, I saw my brother do this one uh, once years ago, and I thought it was it's not actually good. But anyway, this is what he did, right? So Justin's the girl. Well, so far I'm drying up. Yeah. Hey, how you doing? Look, my, my friend over there wants to know if you think I'm hot. Wow. Boom. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> I, I'm boom! Yeah, I'm sold. I fell on the floor laughing the, <laughs> the first time I heard him say that. I thought that was great. Yeah, that's a good one. And uh, it worked. It actually worked. Did it? Yeah, I actually got the girl's phone number. But this one he was like, he Dude, was like 20. He, like 20- he was like 21. So yeah. that's when you're, when the girl's like, oh my God, you're so corny yeah. and cute. you know. But it's Clever. It's the follow-up. Try doing that later on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Try being like a 35-year-old guy. Excuse me, miss. Uh, my friend over there wants <laughs> to know if you think I'm... Hot.
3: Yeah. Meanwhile she, there's she, no friend be like, standing behind you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, she's like, what friend? Oh, he's yeah. over there. Yeah.
1: She's oh yeah. my god. He does this
2: every time. Yeah. I lied. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. set me up. Yeah, I have two personalities. Yeah.
3: <laughs> my other personality yeah, wants to know. Yeah. That'll go real good. <laughs> <laughs> you, to, you know it's even scary when she yeah. goes like I would love to. <laughs> she's like, here,
2: here's the medication. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Dude, have you guys ever watched uh documentaries and stuff on multiple personality disorders? No. <sighs> I can't say I have. It's Fucking scary. I saw the movie Multiplicity. Yeah,
2: I saw Split.
1: What? I don't know what those are. You don't are. know
2: Split? No. Uh, that was the M. Night Shamalamala guy that did the-
1: uh, <laughs> yeah, Who knows how to say his name?
2: <laughs> yeah, it was the guy that, I mean, he had like- I heard that was a good movie. Yeah, like 20 different people that like he uh, characterized. It, it was it was pretty great, actually. It's, the it, acting was great. It
1: is. It's so, it's so fascinating to me because it highlights the just the incredible complexity of the human- psyche and ego like people under extreme duress because uh, that's usually what happens right they're abused or something terrible yeah and they develop different personas
3: to deal with different things so, is that is that what's most common what do you mean that you said that they're normally abused or something's happened to them that's yeah, caused the split personalities? personalities yeah
1: from from what i've read i'm not by any means an expert so just you know if you're listening right now i am not an expert on this <laughs> right. but i did stay i have i have <laughs> but i did stay at it. what's that one no but what i've read is that when they're like let's say they're being abused terribly they'll develop a different personality so that they don't have to experience it oh wow so it's like no it's that other person that is being abused and so they develop all these different personalities and you end up with like one that remains a child. So this adult will have like one that's like a five-year-old or they'll develop a personality that's uh, angry and, and uh, you know, aggressive and another one that's kind of sneaky. And then one – and very often they, they will know about each other. Yeah. So they'll be like, oh, I'm afraid of John, you know, don't, when John comes out or whatever. Really fucking weird, Yeah, that man. movie
2: Split did a pretty good job of that. Like, Did where, they show yeah, all that?
1: Yeah, they'd have, like, the
2: little kid that was, like, scared of, like, the Beast. And, and then the Beast is basically the the embodiment of, like, all of this, like, power and rage and all this stuff that, like, protects everybody else and this legion of, uh, you know, different personalities inside, you know, it was
1: crazy. It's just so weird, right? It just yeah. goes to show you, like, we have this... We have this ego that we create like all of it and, and, and I don't know man it's really it's tricky. What did, what me did Jim
3: Quick say about kids and their inner voices? I've been trying to remember that line forever. Like I, I I know what the the premise of it was but I can't remember.
1: All I remember is Jim Quick would say something and then say it in reverse and everybody'd like
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's the move, dude. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> if you want to be a prophet. Yeah.
1: yeah. Never count your chickens before they hatch, but what I like to say is you count your, your you yeah. count your chickens before they hatch. It was like, yeah. <laughs> oh shit, <laughs> that's oh a crazy. Song.
3: No, you oh don't. Re- you God. don't remember that line about uh, be careful of your external voices because they become kids. Oh, be In- careful of your internal, internal voice. No no, of, no, no, or no, the no. other way around. Be careful of something because it becomes the kid's internal voice. Yeah. So Or internal thoughts, right? Something mm-hmm. like that. I can't mm-hmm. remember what he said. It's probably the same thing. Internal voice thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm confused. Yeah. Hey, did you, don't re- you don't remember
1: that? No.
2: Yeah, it yeah. was Jim. It's it was, like external voices because it becomes their internal voices. Yeah, yeah. Like
3: it's that. such a good, it's such a, uh, an incredible point because I think oh, a yeah. lot of people. He also
1: taught us memory stuff.
3: <laughs> we're all forgetting <laughs> what he said. It really worked. Yeah. I still. Re- well, I, we're not Wilson. I still remember so. the avocado, eggs and salmon and leafy green. I remember all 10 of those still. Do you really? Yeah, I do. Oh course. damn. Yeah. You don't remember them? No. Oh wow. I just like I said, I just
1: remember the technique of of, of taking something that people say that's common yeah. and reversing it. You <laughs> yeah. know, I'm, I started doing I did that last night to Jessica. I don't remember what she I said. I want to practice that. And yeah. I reversed it and then I, I yeah. did the mind blown. You part. sound like a wizard to everybody else somehow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the move. I'm trying to think what's another common saying? Like what's a common right. thing that people say? Can you guys uh, think of anything? Yeah, the sun will come up. No tomorrow.
2: I I just made that one up. Ramp water. I feel like the sun will come out tomorrow. It's like a song.
1: Yeah. Oh, never look a gift horse in the mouth. But you know what I always say. Mm-hmm. You you take that gift horse and you look him right in the mouth. You know what I mean? <laughs> it just sounds like, oh my God. I've never heard that one
3: before. Mind blown. I haven't heard that.
1: You never heard that before? No. Never bite the hand that feeds you. There you go. Yeah, there's one. But what I like to say is you feed the hand that bites you. You something feed like that. that hand. You know what I mean? <laughs> Weird. And everybody's just yeah. like, <laughs> fuck. That, that doesn't work. This you got to work on this that. Dude. Anyway, bright. dude, you know what I took home yesterday? What? So uh, Taylor's been working on this for a while now, and I'm excited because- I've been wanting to talk about this new sponsor that
3: we're gonna work with. I know, right? With. We should let our audience guess what brands did each of us influence Taylor on getting and like which one's it's gonna be obvious. I know <laughs> it, it is, right? <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. obvious. Yeah. yeah. So here's a Sal brand.
1: Yeah, I which what? one
2: looks most like who?
1: Yeah, yeah, I well I want I've been wanting to work with Kettle and Fire for a long time because their bone broth is the best. It's the tastiest. It's great ingredients. Their packaging is smart. Um, and now they have all these other products. Anyway, Taylor's been working with them, and, and they've agreed now to do like a pilot with us, and they sent a bunch of samples of some of their new stuff. And they have this chili that is amazing. Whoa, wait. It's bone broth. They have chili? Yeah, no, it's they have food stuff. They also make food things. So, Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, so this is chili. It's in the same kind of packaging that the bone broth is in yeah but it's ready to eat it's made with bone broth here's the ingredients or you know organic bone broth uh you have uh, mushrooms organic mushroom powder onions you have organic uh uh, grass-fed meat in this as well and it's ready to eat so you pour it out you warm it up and so i got i took it home and i put it over rice and it's incredible it's amazing and the macros are freaking good do we have
3: more of those here
1: uh I took both of them. <laughs> oh dude, <laughs> bitch. Yeah, Cuz yeah, yeah. I this
3: I'm I'm barbecuing this weekend so I got my butcher box shipment came in and I was going to grill it up. That would be a perfect match with that. No, and I'm you know what? Uh, I'm trying to do right now. Yeah.
1: I'm trying to look up the the macros on it because let me see ingredients. Because I remember the the macros were really good. It's got like it's high protein. It's got a decent amount of healthy fat. Um, and then it's got you know some good carbs, so it's like a, a complete meal. Well, it'd be moderate to low
3: carb, I'd imagine yeah from beans. the beans, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: So, yeah. No, it was uh, the macros were incredible. I think it was like eighteen. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, like eighteen grams. Oh, here it is. So there's two servings in a container. Okay. Okay. Now you think that think of your think of this as in terms of like a meal. You're a guy. You're at home. Right. A meal. You don't yeah. want to cook anything. So yeah, you, that's easy. You bust it out. It's all organic. Super healthy. Right. 10 grams of fat, 22 grams of carbs, 18 grams of protein, and there's two servings.
3: So 36, what did you say? 36, 44? And- so
1: t- 10 grams of fat, 22 grams of carbs, 18 grams of protein, and to- that's for one serving. There's two servings. What's the total calories? Total calories on that is, uh, where am I here? I don't know what that is, Adam. You want to Tell me to do math cheese? right now? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Oh, I it doesn't,
3: You thought you were looking at the- label. I am.
1: I don't know why it doesn't say the calories. Let's do the math here. So that's uh, 18 plus 22. What is that, Adam? You're the math guy.
3: Yeah, eighteen plus twenty-two is forty.
1: Okay, so forty times four, plus ninety. So uh, 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 f- what did I say? Forty times four. <laughs> <laughs> Two hundred fifty calories uh, per serving. Oh, that's not bad at all. No, no, no. That's so, not so. But at you all. got you got the the you know thirty six grams of protein for one carton, and I so I put it over rice, and I had like a because you guys know I've been kind of. <sighs> eating more lately trying to put on the yeah put man. on a little bit of size. You get the thickness. Just yeah, Justin was calling me thick dude on the trip. I Made love little a little self conscious.
2: Come on, man. Like <laughs> no, you look like a beefcake, dude. Yeah, you know,
1: it's a compliment. Oh, uh, we were throwing that. there was a nerf football at yeah, the like, at the, the house. The you guys were playing place. catch? Yeah, so with the kids, right? So we're throwing the football no, with no, the kids. No, the
2: so Sal was throwing it a little bit. It was
1: yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. I got it on video, bro. <laughs> I could throw. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. And and he's like, Justin's like, Yeah. Thick, Sal.
3: Like, what the fuck, bro? <laughs> Looking thick, man. Yeah, like what the hell? Yeah. But it,
1: but anyway, our hookup with uh Kettle and Fire is for our audience, fifteen percent off all products, and then if you order six or more cartons, you'll get uh free shipping on oh, the whole shit. thing. Oh shit.
3: Yeah, yeah. So, so you really ate all the chili, so I won't be able to No, but we have curry. They they also have Thai curry. Huh. Well, so, what's going to go good? So I told you, I'm, I'm growing my butcher box this weekend. What's <clears throat> going to go good with that? I oh. also got, by the way, this month they did a thing for new customers and I weaseled this in, uh, is the two pounds of Alaskan cod come with it.
1: Uh, Alaskan or, salmon. salmon. Alaskan salmon. Yeah. yeah. Have you tried their salmon yet? Yeah, it's bomb. Is it really? Yes. Yeah.
3: And it's hard to rival Costco's salmon, dude. I really like Costco's salmon a lot, but their shit's on point. Now, do, when you go to Costco, do you get wild salmon or do you get- Wild Oh, you always get wild. Yeah, that's good. Which is funny. You remember we were just talking the other day about uh, if that's ever gonna if that's not gonna matter anymore if soon. We remember we we yeah. predict that farm raised fish will be healthier than yeah. than the fish in the ocean because there's well, all these always- toxins now and everything to worry about. Well, right? I I think heavy it's, metals and everything.
1: Well, it's not just that. It's that it, that's the last. Think about all the food that we eat uh, on mass, right? Yeah. Uh, and mass. E n mass. Um, it's all 90% of it is either farmed or grown for the purpose of eating or raised for the purpose of eating. The only thing that we kind of go out in the wild and hunt still for everybody is fish. Yeah. And so I don't. At some point, I think it's probably going to be farm raised. That's you know, and they're going to have to do it in a way that's. What are you talking good. about?
3: They farm raised fish.
1: They do, but what I mean is, we're still, we're still. A lot of people are eating a lot of fish. That's that's wild caught. Oh. Okay. At some point, I, I think that's going to have to
3: end. Wouldn't you? Well, no. I you you and I were both were speculating this just because of the the stat that I had brought up about the plastic being more plastic in the yeah. ocean than than fish. Yeah. And when that happens, I would imagine that they could be better to control the environment. Right. Right. Put right. them in like. Yeah, yeah, maybe. And I know so there's somebody out there that's probably shaking their head going like you guys are fucking stupid. Yeah. Like, that's not- well, who knows, man? <laughs> that's, that's not true.
1: Who knows if they don't figure out a way to, to- just a wild guess. Yeah. That's w- all. Wild like the Alaskan Sockeye salmon. Yeah. That's free Ooh, from, like that. from butcher box. Oh, <laughs> well, that's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. that's
3: <laughs> nice a nice tie in, yeah. yeah. Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah. So what are you gonna grill up? So well, I have the I always get their um and they call it what's it called? It's their tri tip they call um. Uh, so sort long of cap? Or no, yeah, the cap. Yeah. Thank caps. you. Yeah, yeah. 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 They, it's called a cap. Uh, so I always get that. Um, we always get the the fillets and uh, and some ribeyes is like what we normally get. And I'll just grill. I grill it all up at one time. So yeah. I'll, I'll set it I all up. I do that
2: and all the burger patties and everything else like uh, for the kids.
3: And so I haven't done
2: the so burger good. patties
3: yet from them yet. Have you?
2: Yeah, You're, I have. Yeah. I mean, and, and they... <laughs> like they kind of like break apart. I have, I've learned how to like kind of grill them so like they don't just stick to the grill and like you rip off like half the meat. Uh, but they're not they'll, as, they'll do that. They don't like,
3: they're not as like. Because uh, it's grass
2: fed. Yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. it's a different texture that, what about, that will fall in. Yeah, so, you know, so watch
3: there's it. a trick to that. Uh, throw egg whites, right, in it. In or the, yolks? Yeah, is it egg whites uh, yeah. or yolks? Egg whites. Okay. Yeah, okay. or the it's whole probably egg. better than me. Put the I just whole egg. Spray that put the put the put it. the whole whole egg in it and mash it all up. It'll and, make it stickier. Yeah, it'll make it stickier. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, okay, you know, I'll try that.
1: If for people who are like, ah, oh, grass fed <coughs> and, and, and grain fed, it's the same. No, you can fucking feel it and taste it. And this is my own experience. Okay, when I eat a lot of red meat, first of all, a lot of red meat, I always notice performance gains in the gym strength uh, I just feel like I tend to build more muscle I'm not the only one that's made this observation this is an old long term observation that bodybuilders and, and you know strength athletes
3: have made for My a long theory time. on that is just it's just the overall increase of protein and cholesterol You think so and creatine, and creatine. Yeah that's the three you get the yeah, trifecta there, there you're getting is. you're getting if you're having a ton of red meat more than usual you're obviously going to get a boost in cholesterol you're obviously going to get a boost in creatine and more than likely you're going to get a boost in protein yeah yeah and just the combination of all three of those yeah i would i would agree that's probably what it is building fuel
1: yeah super high in b vitamins too but the the thing that i notice is when i eat a lot of uh, like grain fed beef if i can get, i can eat a lot of meat red meats the one thing that i can just push but if i eat a lot of grain fed meat i start to feel a little bit bogged down like a little bit like oh man I eat, you know I'm eating too much meat grass fed doesn't have the same feel to me like I can eat a lot of grass fed and I have that same kind of bogged down feel again this is my own you know personal experience but uh,
3: but anyway, so but, being completely honest, this is one of the areas that I haven't seen a major difference yet. Mm. I choose to go that way just because it's like we have an option. Uh, it, I don't mind spending a couple extra bucks. And to, Max Lugavier says eat grass fed. Yeah. That's right. what we yeah, do. That's what I mean, <laughs> Max says. I'm in. <laughs> so it's one of the, these are one of those things that I do that I have. I mean, we talk a lot on show, the show, the, the stuff that we have noticed a big difference if you've changed something in your diet. Um, and there's, there's no doubt in my mind, I noticed like when I have Diet Cokes and the aspartame or sucralose, yeah. like I notice that my body gets, bul- I notice I hold a bunch of water, I feel all puffy and shit. And like I know I that's off; it throws my gut off. I instantly am burping, throws my stool off sometimes too. So there's things like that that I for sure notice a difference. And by switching over, I've noticed since too. And this is just since I've met you, um, I started evaluating like my way because I was always into way. I do notice a difference if I'm using the Organifi you know protein versus the the whey protein it oh, also dude. yeah it also makes me gassy and kind of bloated interesting. like interesting yeah so i've noticed little things like that but the meat i haven't i haven't no no, put way. something together yet like oh wow when i eat grass fed beef i can feel or see the difference yet it's not as obvious as some of the other things that we talked about it's just interesting
1: that the uh, the the thing that really is interesting to me is a lot of the stuff that we start to support with science or some stuff that we support with science I can look back and be like, wow, bodybuilders and strength athletes have been commenting on that for a long time. Like the old timers always said, lots of red meat, you get yeah. your strength goes up, whatever. This is before we knew that creatine was the highest concentrations in red meat and stuff like that. So it makes a lot of sense once you learn it later on, but they've been saying that kind of stuff for a long time. You know what else is interesting? So uh, <coughs> so I got to give Jessica a plug because I'm always talking about stuff that she's reading and I never give her a plug. So her, her Instagram page is... The training hour, and she's been reading this book called The Circadian. I think it's called The Circadian Code. Have you guys heard about this? No. This book, uh, Sachin Panda, I think is the is the guy's name. Anyway, um, and she's been telling me some interesting things about how the uh, you know how to work out and how to eat according to your natural circadian rhythm. So f- this is fascinating. I didn't know this. The best time of day for stamina and endurance is in the morning. The best time of day for strength and anaerobic performance in the afternoon. So we've known this for a long time, right? I don't know about the stamina one. Like yeah. I don't know about that. That I had best stamina in the morning, but I did know that my strength. Really? Yeah,
2: yeah. I would feel like later in the day for me stamina would be best, but
1: no. Well, studies show that, and it, and who knows? Maybe maybe you're you're thinking about lifting because I know when right. I lift that might be it.
3: I'm stronger at night, but, but what- it, to me it makes logical sense why it would be that way because you're completely like em- your stomach's all emptied out, right? I think to like uh-huh. run for endurance, if I had two or three meals in me, I would feel kind of lethargic or weighed down. Uh-huh. Where if I didn't have that in me and I was just just enough from like the that night before that you still have your your stores are stored up so you got fuel sure yeah. sure
1: well, well trip off this I, and and here's how they they explain it but but trip off this again studies show endurance like low, steady state endurance best in the morning strength uh best uh in the afternoon and i know in the strength part when i lift weights in the afternoon i'm always stronger yeah, that that's why i like to lift sense. in the afternoon so what they, and it, so there's two things that are trippy about this. So what, what she's putting together by reading this book and by reading other things uh, according to the circadian rhythm is that they surmise that hunter-gatherers, think about how they hunted, they would chase the, their prey down until it got exhausted, which started early in the morning. Early in the morning, they'd go out, they'd hit something, they, it would bleed, and they'd follow it and follow it and follow it for 10, 15 miles until it got exhausted. Then they'd go in, kill it, and then they'd have to lift it and carry it back. Oh, right. So it was like stamina and endurance so in the morning, aerobic on the way back strength in the a- afternoon. So we just evolved hmm. to work better. Now, here's the other thing. Bodybuilders forever, if they could work out all day long, when would they do their cardio? In the morning. In the morning and yeah. when would they lift? Right. Afternoon. Right. Right. How weird is that? Yeah. Again, it's like that old time wisdom and it kind of matches up what, what science says. And I was, We were talking about this yesterday and I was like, oh shit, that totally makes sense. That's so weird, right? That is crazy. Yeah, anyway, dude, my son, uh my son's uh, had his last uh volleyball game yesterday. Uh, with yeah? His team, yeah, dude. this is his last one of the season. Last one of the season. How they do? They won, uh,
3: and they went the whole season undefeated.
1: Whoa, really? Yeah, yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. So undefeated the now, whole. Now, did
3: you? Now, was... this is interesting to listen to you talk about your son going through this because you've talked a lot about him being a lot like you, and he's definitely uh, academically driven yeah, and yeah. into robotics and kind of into that stuff. And this is really uh, the last, what, year or two has been a lot of introduction into sports. Mm-hmm. What are you seeing with him? And I mean, for me as a kid, when you get to be a play on a team, in fact, I don't even think I ever played on an undefeated team, but I've played on teams that were dominant. And when you are, man, is that fun and exciting to be winning all the time? Is it given, do you think it's given him the itch? What do you think? Well, what I like to see,
1: he's definitely competitive, um, but there's things he excels at and there's things that he's not, he's not going to excel at just like anybody else. Right. Um, and he definitely excels at academic uh, type things and strategy um, uh, type things Um, and sports are just things that he's not as interested in but what I do uh, uh, appreciate is as I'm watching them play volleyball and they're all playing together as a team very very well is that and I'm watching to see how they interact with each other the kids and you have the star players and then you have the players who you know don't play as much but they all super uh, were supportive of each other. Everybody celebrated together, even the players that didn't play that much, uh, just like the players that play a lot. But my son, he's got respect amongst his his peers, um, which I, li- I like to see that because I, what I noticed that he's learning through playing sports with these kids is how to become a part of a unit, how your piece, how wh- however big or small, yeah, a role player. is important. Right. And it's really cool to see that because the kids are like you know, high five and they just, they, they all important. respect, but they respect him a right.
3: lot, which is really, really cool. Well, there's yeah. a lot of, there's a lot of research on, on when you have your kids in sports, like what that, what that ends up teaching them as far as their ability to work with, work with others. There's also stuff to show their, their likelihood of getting involved in drugs and, and oh, totally. other yeah, violence and doing other stuff like that. It's like. It's so healthy for the kids to be a part yeah. of that at such early... And probably more so now today than ever.
1: I would 100% agree with you because, you know, I th- what I see with sports is kids, A, learn how to lose, which is very important in life yep. because winning is easy. And I don't mean it's easy to win. I mean, after you win, it's easy to deal with it. Right. Losing is fucking hard. Right. It's the hardest thing that you'll ever deal with is just getting your ass kicked in, at life. And sports kind of teaches you how to deal with that. It also teaches you uh, to be able to depend on people and trust people, but also to be dependable and to be someone that people can trust. It's super
2: important to be... Well, you hope that they're on both uh, ends of that in terms of like the team being a losing team and also being a winning team because you see like the the difference between both it's it's very clear when you're on a winning team and when you're on a losing team and why that is and And you see that within like everybody's role and how much they contribute and how much they're willing to work and do the extra mm-hmm. you know, in terms of like what the coach gives you, but everybody's working outside of just that. That's a winning team.
1: yeah. I, it, what's cool too is that his team is not the most athletic team of, of, of all the team when they play all these other teams. Like, a lot, the team they played last night was far more athletic. For, the kids were fucking giants. I don't know what they're feeding these kids at the school. Like, they had like, they had four boys that were 5'10 to 6 foot. <coughs> these are 7th and 8th graders. They're tall, big kids. And in volleyball, that's a big, you know, uh, advantage. Oh, yeah. My son's team has one kid that's 5'10 or 5'11, and everybody else is, like, five 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 six. So, like, average size, you know, 7th and 8th graders but they played so well together and they were diving and then when they would miss something it was like let's get back on and it was so great to watch them and yeah. then they won and it was it was fucking awesome but now that the season's over my son comes up to me and he goes and this is just I'm excited now he goes all right I'm ready to like really train now and I'm like what do you mean he goes like let's let's you know cuz we've been dabbling yeah so I'm like you ready to lift like really lift and he goes yeah and I said what's your goal like what are your goals and he goes what do you mean I said well what do you want to accomplish with this he goes, uh, I want to – this is his words. He goes, I want to pack on some size. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, my God. dude! <laughs> I mean, I'm you, just so excited right now. Yeah. You should get into coaching. I highly
2: suggest it. Is like, it awesome? Oh, man. Like, I didn't even want to coach last night. Yeah, uh, they'll have no idea. You have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. I'll be a yeah. terrible they,
1: coach. <laughs> <we'll>, I'll <laughs> motivate the fuck Are out of them. Are <laughs> you kidding me? You'll get come in there and read,
2: like, a million different drills and things. I it's want, not that
3: hard. I want you to get into it because uh, – you know, and we've, we've all had this thing where we, we each are like, ah, oh, you got to try this out or you have to look into this. I know you. I already know you so well that the deeper you dive into sports, the more of appreciation that you will have for the game. Like, sure. Yeah. I, mean, the, I think about the things like someone was asking me in an interview the other day. They were asking, like, <clears throat> what do I attribute like my success to today? And three of the things that come to mind to me uh, one of them, obviously, the adversity that I went through as a kid, I think was one of the best things that ever happened to me because uh, it forged me into who I am today. Uh, definitely the readings that, uh, of reading the Bible growing up from seven years old all the way up till an adulthood. And then sports. When I think of the three things that like taught me the most about life, that I, makes would, sense. I would say those three things really, when I look back at all the attributes that I've obtained and I think about where did those all stem originally from, and it, they were those three things. Yeah. Man, sports play... Such a huge role, you know. I think I hyper find, learning and growth—that's yeah. like your environment mm-hmm. right
2: there. That's completely constructed for you know you to develop in that environment and like figure it out. Like you have to figure it out. Like well, the consequences. And are you're real. such
3: a cerebral guy that it—that's it, why I love professional sports. Is because when you're a kid, it's fun. It's like it's fun, and you're learning lessons and that. When you've evolved into an adult and you're at the professional level, you've that's you've already laid the foundation. That's strategy. Now it's the cerebral part. Yeah, like yeah. now, like. The the emotions that the players are playing in, the mind games that get played, the strategy and how, how you how you play that team, like all oh, that yeah. really comes into That's play. why you really
2: right? put in the work studying like yeah. the other team and like their tendencies and all the little nuances involved? Like you can get really deep it's like into the, it the, and the it, kid,
3: it pays off. The kids right now are they're learning like the chess pieces on the chessboard right now. Like this is what this is for, this is this, mm-hmm. this is how they work together. Right. Like they're learning all that. The when fundamentals you, when you get to the professional level, it's fucking full on chess. It's like ten steps yeah ahead, yeah. yeah, no, yeah. man. That's why
1: I like jiu-jitsu so much. Jiu-jitsu is very right. it's a very cerebral martial art. I mean, you're you're at points you're going slow, you're thinking three or four moves ahead. You know what I find very remarkable about what you said, Adam, that I think I need to I want to re- go back to because it needs to be highlighted is something that you said that I think is f- incredibly remarkable and it just highlights the your uh, what makes you a, a special person is your attitude towards adversity. You literally said, uh, I'm grateful for my adversity and, uh, and a lot of people don't know this but you had your father committed suicide and you had a, you had a, in some aspects a rough childhood a lot of people don't look at things that way right. you know, a lot of people look back and like oh, I was fucking terrible what happened to me Great. it was a horrible time uh, you know I, I don't want to think about it instead you go you think uh, I'm thankful for it because it made me you know who I am today it made me stronger well that's a, that's a very important um, thing that needs to be communicated to people because you know I think all people have some level of of challenge or adversity in our life and it's really how you uh, how you view it if you view it the way you did fuck you're going to come out and be a, a a badass if you view it the other way I, the, the adversity can, can be tiny it'll crush you right you well, know? Well, it's
3: I, you know and that, there's an evolution of that right I, I definitely in my early 20s i i had a lot of resentment and and anger uh, and and probably even some of the victim role and I think at one point you either evolve out of that, or it forever stifles your growth the rest of your life. And I meet adults that are in their fifties and still dealing with childhood issues—you mm-hmm. know, stuff that fucked them up as a kid—and they're still, you know, angry about it, or still feel sorry for themselves about it, and they just—they—they they never move beyond that. And I—I I guess I was lucky that um, I started to piece together that. Having that attitude towards those things was not allowing me to flourish and grow. And when I learned to reframe all of that that had happened to me and what did it turn me into and what, sure, all this was negative and bad or this is a a bad situation. And like you said, everybody has those. What was the other side of that? Because something else comes out of that, right? Anytime that we have adversity or struggles and and pain and, and all the difficulties, there's also that growth and opportunity that happened there. And the the more that you can start to look at all those things, like you know, oh shit, okay, I didn't I didn't have a father. Well, what did that that cause me to be? Well, it caused me to be a very independent young man at a very young age, which allowed me to be much more mature than a lot of my peers at a very young age too. Which for forced me to grow and get into leadership at a very young age and look where I'm at in my life when in leadership roles. So, you know, there's things like that that you know I've learned to point out and then to be grateful. And now when I'm and I talked about this in an interview, somebody was talking to me or asking these questions and we were diving into my childhood and stuff and I said, like, you know, now I feel like I've gotten to a point in my life where, and it's taken years, you know, I'm fucking going on 38 years old, but now like when shit goes really bad, like when something happens, uh, you know, I have my moment and how how Elrod talked about this a little bit where he has his, he has his five minute rule, right, mm-hmm. where he's just like, fuck, it, ah, you know, and I, I, I don't have a rule, I didn't write some weird book that about it and make something out of it, it was just, it's something that I've trained myself to do for a long time, that when shit happens, yes, I'm pissed. Yes, I'm frustrated. Yes, I feel sorry for myself for a minute. But then after that, it's like what's done is done. I can't do anything about it. Now let's look at the the positive sides of this and then what's going to come of it. Mm-hmm. And that's really tough to do when it's something really dark or it really knocks you down. And the darker it is, the more it knocks you down, the better it is on the other side. And because I've gone through enough things in my life that have have proven this to be true... Now I have this attitude of when something comes on, I just get kind of this smirk or grin on my face, like damn, shit's bad right now. But you know what that means? Shit's gonna get good. Yeah, yeah. And, and if the bad, the worse it is, the shittier it is, the better it is on the other side. That's how you make yeah. yourself. In, I mean, indestructible. It.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, what do they say? Steel is forged by fire and mm-hmm. hammer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You don't. You don't. You don't make steel. With- <laughs> But you know, but by g- gently caressing it, you got to beat the shit out of it and put it through fire. You know what else I noticed too, and I know this yeah. is getting
3: into like some woo-woo shit, like whatever you believe, whether you believe it's a a god thing or you believe it's a law of attraction. But I I, I believe that when you have that this this positive attitude and nothing really scares you as far as bad things that could potentially happen to you less of it happens the more that you dwell on how rough things are for you how bad things are for you the more you attract that shit yeah, yeah. the more drama comes on you the more you feel sorry for your situation the more likely more bad situations tend to happen I to
1: would, you i would i would i mm. would 100% agree and i could even i can even attempt to explain it through just just how we operate like if you're Slightly more negative, or a little bit more dark, or a little bit more victimy, than the decisions that you make, even the small decisions, uh, or or can have that kind of butterfly effect and have downstream effects. And so you think, oh, you know, if I'm just feeling a little victimy, that's not going to really make the difference between big success and little success. Let me tell you something. If you when you talk to people who have tremendous success in whatever area of life at some point during that, that sequence of events that led to that, there was weird shit that happened. There was mm-hmm. like the one random dude, like I'll talk to people who are, who are uh, like entrepreneurs, for example, and you'll ask them, you know, how did you become successful? Like, well, I always just went out there and talked to people and I was always trying to sell this product. And then I met this one dude, he didn't want to buy my product, but then we became good friends and then I met his other buddy and then that guy had this idea and then I worked with him and it's like this weird path of events that led to... Yeah, this chain link of, of events. Dude, one thing
2: I liked, uh, this analogy, it was from uh, like a Native American analogy. It's uh, two wolves, right? Yeah. It's, it's really, it's like, it's which one you're feeding the most and which one you're starving. And that's so it's the one like, that'll grow. That's the one that's going to grow. And mm-hmm. so it's like, you know, whatever it's, if it's negative, you know, like attitude, if it's, it's, it's ways that you're dealing with situations, if you're going to add, you know, whatever kind of energy in that direction, like that's what you're feeding.
1: It's true. It's um. And it's true for anything. And it, in the black and white world of physical performance, is true too. Like I know in, in in wrestling and jiu-jitsu, when you would go against these dudes that grew up on farms who had to you know, wake up at four a.m. and go out in the cold and you know throw bales of hay and shovel shit and whatever, and you would go against those guys, and it, it were way fucking harder than the dudes that lifted weights. In the gym all the time they were just forged again by fire and right. that's a very basic kind of you know black and white example in, in terms of physical performance but yeah you can apply that to, to pretty much anything but it's important that we highlight that because uh everybody goes through you know difficult shit everybody's got their difficult stuff
3: well it transfers into so many other things like you were alluding to right now i, I mean it's it's why i was able to be a guy who never knew anything about bodybuilding really and go from you know average Joe physique to amateur to professional in a very short period of time because I have this ability to just look at adversity different than a lot of my peers and a lot of the people that I'm around. I just don't. Yeah, of course it's going to be fucking hard. Like no yeah, shit. So like that's a given. Yeah, it's so, going to be as hard as the other shit, you know, right, right? Yeah, you right. right. And, and then also remembering and I love that you know my partners <laughs> like this Katrina is and I've shared this on the podcast at least once or twice before when. You know, when we have, you know, rough days at work or something happens that, you know, didn't go well and I'm venting and I'm frustrated and she just lets me vent for my two minute rant or whatever. And then she looks back at me and says, would you want it any other way? And challenges me to really think about that. And it yeah. always makes me go- Rains on your little sad part. Yeah, of <laughs> right? It's like, it makes me go like, fuck. Cuts it. Yeah, you're right. It ruins it right away. You're yeah. right. You know, Would I want it all easy? Like, no. And a lot of people don't realize that. If you think about that, like we think we want it easier, but it's like, no, how boring would life be? It's not as rewarding. Not just- Definitely not as rewarding. Not
1: just boring, but uh, like, look- would taking a helicopter up to Mount Everest have the same feeling as climbing it? I mean, yeah. let's be quite honest, right? Not even no, close. No, that's, that's a great analogy. Yeah. Yeah. You, it'd a, be beautiful. You'd you see could the take a cool pic and yeah. get whatever praise, you know. That's but right. No, that's right. It's that's, not going to be the same. That's why when I talk about, you know, fitness, and I'll, I'll circle back to fitness just because that's, you know, our, our space, you know— it, the The main benefits you get from uh, working out and in you know having a good relationship with food and working through that process, the main benefits come from the process, not the end result of being lean and and, and fit and healthy. Like that's nice too, but it's the struggle, it's the process, it's the work that you do along the way. That's where ninety five percent of the benefits come. That's why if we had a magic pill that could literally make you fit and healthy, that would that would not solve the problem at all people would take the pill and they would not gain all the benefits that they they could have gotten through going through the process of learning themselves and working hard and struggle and you know that growth that comes through that that whole you know that whole journey yeah. that's where you get everything
3: it's so true and it's why we can't just give the answer for each person individually cuz you got to go on that journey yourself that's that's what it's all about you got to figure it out like you're going to every client i've ever trained like we, in fact i was just talking to a client friend of mine today and we were talking about she was like cause she's listened to the show since the evolution of it. And she's like, she's always likes to man is reflect on how we started. And she was talking about how, you know, she is, uh, seen, uh, the, the growth of the show, but yet we still seem to revisit these, these same topics a lot of the Mm -hmm. times. And she's like, but it never gets old. And she goes, "I, I haven't put my finger on why that is. And I said, well, this is why I said, think about you. And I I said, I've known you for like 10 years and you've you've uh, you've heard me talk about food and this and that to you a million times but i feel like just about 4 years ago when we were training in your garage you had like this epiphany with your diet and nutrition and you forever now have been changed on the way you eat and like something i said or something that we applied to your to your eating habits a light bulb went off for you and she's like nodding her head like she's like you're right you're right that's so crazy and i was like yeah and it's not like that was new information i presented to you but maybe i presented it in a different way that it Mm -hmm. just clicked for you and then it and then it, it applied to your life and fit all of fitness is like this it's like everybody listening right now has their own struggles has their own things they do really well has the things they don't do very well and then they, they all have like this this missing piece that, man, if you could just figure that one piece out, it would make the world of a difference for you, mm-hmm. but maybe not for somebody else. And that is just it. The part of this journey is figuring that out for yourself and piecing that together and learning to enjoy that process. Right. And
1: it's it's not just the information. It's the person hearing the information and you yourself change. In other words, that you're not the same person listening to the same information yeah. Each time. Each well, time also, you're someone different and you uh, listen and you hear it differently.
2: Right. And also, like, our uh, version of that same message has changed. We've refined the process because we've said it over and over again. And so, you know, there's a way to deliver it more concise, you know, in in a way that, like, doesn't use up a lot of fluff. So that way, like, you know, maybe it's just here's the root of that idea. Like, this is really what you need to focus on. And then that's the most simple version that now people can have that moment where they're like, oh, now it makes sense.
1: It just clicked. That's it. It's all about the process.
0: This Quaz brought to you by Organifi. fitness i have fallen in love with resistance training but the one muscle i find boring is training biceps it seems like there are only a few exercises that I can do. Oh man, I'm a yeah. bicep guy. Yeah, I'm with you on <laughs> this
3: one. Yeah, just yeah. Justin doesn't yeah, know anything it about
0: is
1: this boring. 100% a, a guy didn't ask this que- ask this question. <laughs> yeah. There's no way cuz the, the two muscles that guys always work out. Like I've never That's had That's true. Justin
3: doesn't just no, Justin, I don't. Justin uh, hates uh, bicep
2: curls. It's all chest for me, man. You know, chest and shoulders. Well,
1: I mean, how let me ask you guys this. How how many male clients have you ever had to like talk about and convinced to train the oh
2: yeah i'd be i'd be yeah. easy to close
3: for yeah. sure yeah no so, but one of one of the things and we did a video on youtube um and it's awful so i apologize it was when we first started we didn't know what we were doing uh, but the the content in it is is fire is meaning like what the information that we provided and we're, we're goofy and don't know what the fuck we're doing it was back when we used to all three do the youtube together and we did this youtube video at that old gym um that we used to be out and it was, uh, I don't remember the title of it. I'll have Jackie link it in the show notes for this person. But it was talking about bi- biceps and triceps. And one of the biggest like uh, game changers for me as, as a trainer, when I realized that the, one of the most important things about training the biceps is elbow positioning. And then, you know, from once I pieced that together and realized that, oh, wow, I should have some my elbows behind me, my elbows in front of me, and my elbows up above Above my head, and the, and I, those are my three major angles that I'm playing with. Now, as a trainer, I can get creative and and find all kinds of different exercises, from spider curls to using like a lat pull down machine and curling down behind my head to laying on the ground and curling. And like, so once you kind of understand the physics of of what you're trying to accomplish, which is just the angles that you that you want to uh, manipulate with your elbow positioning. Then, it's real, then it can get fun on, on how creative you get with the different exercises. Yeah, there's
1: really two things that you can manipulate with bicep training, one being the position of the elbows and the other being hand uh, supination or pronation. In other words, is my hand or my palms facing each other like in a hammer curl or my palms facing up like in a traditional barbell curl or my hands facing down like a reverse, reverse curl. And, and the hand positioning will change bicep activation. So uh, when your hands are supinated – in other words, palm up, um, you're getting mostly bicep activation. When your hands are facing each other or down, you're getting more brachialis uh, activation and brachioradialis uh, activation. The brachioradialis muscle is a muscle in the forearm. So let's forget that for a second. But the brachialis muscle is a muscle that is right under your bicep. And mm-hmm. if you develop that muscle, it will make your bicep look bigger. And thicker. Now that being said, here's a deal with the bicep. There's two parts to the bicep, or they'll, what they'll say they'll call them two heads to the bicep. In fact, the name bicep means two heads. And those two heads, their attachment points. In other words, where they attach at both ends. Because when you think of a muscle, think of imagine a rubber band that is attaching uh, attached at two ends. And when the if the rubber band were to squeeze itself, it would pull those two points together. That's essentially what muscles do. And those attachments are important things to pay attention to because they'll give you a lot of clues in terms of what exercises will do what. Well, here's the deal with the two with the attachments for the two heads. They're super close to each other, like right next to each other. So there's really no exercise that you're going to do that's going to hit one head over the other head because I know some people are like, oh, this hits the inner bicep more than the outer bicep. You are splitting hairs on hairs when you start to worry about that. Now, something like a chest, like your pecs, your chest have uh, attachments all along the sternum. And so changing the angle of a press does make a big difference in terms of hitting things like upper and lower chest. But as far as hitting like inner head, outer head of the bicep, not that big of a difference. But one thing you can manipulate, like Adam said, is the elbow position. Because what ends up happening is this. Uh, can, imagine right now, and I'm going to try and explain this through the podcast. Imagine you're doing a barbell curl. That's just For, for those of you who don't know what that is, it's just standing w- with a barbell in your hand you curl it straight up. When you're curling the barbell, it's a free weight, the weight isn't fully, uh, you're not feeling the full effect of the weight until you're about halfway up the curl, because that's when you're fighting gravity directly, right? The beginning of the curl, I'm starting at my legs and I'm coming forward and up. That forward and up position, it's not, let's say there's 50 pounds in the bar, it's not 50 pounds of weight until I'm, boom, right against gravity directly. And then when I curl past that midway point towards bringing it towards my body, towards the top of the curl... Again, the weight gets a little lighter. So when you're doing a barbell curl, the hardest part of the rep is that middle part of the rep. Moving my elbow position means I'm going to change the the, the position of where the weight's going to be heaviest. So an, another example would be a preacher curl. A preacher curl is where my elbow is over the, the that padded, uh, it's like a padded machine or whatever, a padded bench that you could put a barbell on. My elbows are in front of me and what you'll find is the midway point which was the most difficult part of a barbell curl, now is easy because now the gravity's pushing the weight down, but my forearms are resting on the pad. A preacher curl's hardest part is towards the end of the rep where my arms are almost fully extended. So a preacher curl is going to provide more tension at the bottom part of a rep. A barbell curl will provide more tension at the middle
3: part of a rep. And then the next level, that would be like a spider curl, which would be at the very peak At of the it. peak right. because
1: now I'm bending over again. Now, here's the thing now. My elbows are in front of me again, just like they were with the preacher curl, but the difference is the angle of resistance. Now, because I'm laying chest down on a bench, my elbows are pointing down, the hardest part is that squeeze. And so really what you want to focus on is elbow position, but also where it's going to be, where you're going to feel the most tension of the rep and then hand position. So now you can get really, really creative and design your bicep workouts around these different things years ago there was a uh, I remember learning this a long time ago there was a book called I want to say it was I think it was called Positions of Flexion I think was the name of the book uh and it was written uh by uh Iron Man magazine had put this out or at least the same authors that wrote there made this book and I remember the cover of it had uh I think it was Paul it was a deceased bodybuilder but anyway the, the whole concept of that book was exactly what I'm talking about the pos- the position where the muscle is going to feel the most tension now, to be quite honest with you, that is not nearly as important as just good exercise programming, You right. uh, you know, you know the, the type of exercise you're doing, good resistance, the reps, that kind of stuff. But it is a piece of it. It is a piece of the programming and it does make a big enough difference to where you should definitely consider this. So like when we design our MAPS programs, that's a part of our design. When we're putting together three back exercises in a workout or three bicep exercises or tricep or whatever- Part of what goes into the programming is exactly what I'm talking about.
2: Yeah, and also, I mean, uh, you could get into tempo a bit too with like eccentric training where, you know, maybe we're going to focus a little bit more on the negative portion of that too to really kind of, you know, break down and, and get more... Uh, you know, emphasis, uh, using that as, as a variable as well. So there are, like, different, you know, variables that you can introduce for a simple exercise,
3: like a bicep curl, to enhance that exercise even further. Yeah. Well, this is, uh, and Doug always hates when I do this, when so I'm going to do it anyways, but this is where we uh, this is something we're excited about that we've been working on for a while that should be coming very soon. but you know we're gonna have these mini mods where we are targeting specific areas like this like the bicep or like the shoulder that will allow people to just implement, those into their pro- their programs. Just whether- to change their bicep workout a Right, because so, we get this a lot where somebody has very, very, something very specific. Oh, just, you know, I need some more exercises for my biceps right. or I need more exercises for my there's shoulders. Just more in the arsenal to pull from. Right, and so we've already, we've taken all what Sal is saying, how we take the time to program it, and there's we think about all these things as far as angles and positions and hand placement and make sure that we manipulate these variables so you get the maximum results in it. So we've done that already and then we've created basically they're like mini versions of maps, they're small programs, the same time and effort is put into designing them and shooting them and uh, creating all the blueprints yeah, for we'll them. We'll
1: hopefully have that out for you soon so you have some some options. But you know, going back to the to the topic of bicep, you know, the things that I'm talking about, consider them when you're doing the exercises also. So again, if I go back to the preacher curl, where most of the tension uh, is at the, end, the the beginning of the rep and my arm is, arm is almost fully extended, what part of the rep do you think I'm going to emphasize? That part. Now, here's what I see. I see the opposite. I see people doing a preacher curl, and they avoid right. the heaviest part.
2: Yeah, they don't go through full range of motion.
1: No, they avoid the the, the, the best part, part because yeah. they want to use more weight, and so what they end up doing is this half curl yeah. where they're not using much and because, so they can boast such about a, how much such they curl. a good point. Yeah. Same thing with the concentration curl Absolutely. or a spider curl. People will avoid the hardest squeeze part, and they'll end up doing these half reps, and it's like you are missing – the reason why that exercise is in your workout to such, begin with.
3: Such a good point. So
1: wherever you feel that, that most of that tension in that rep, regardless of the body part you're working on, that's where you should place the Live emphasis. There. Yeah. Yes. So like a barbell curl, it's not as important to go full extension in a barbell curl. It's still important, but not as important- What's, more, what's important is that you control that mid-range. It's more important in the preacher curl that you do the full extension. If I did like a, a, a concentration curl or spider curl, the part of the rep I'm really going to focus on Squeeze. is the top. And that's what's going to dictate the weight that I'm using as well. So if I pick a weight for an exercise, I have to perform the most important part of the rep well with that weight, which means it's going to feel light in other parts. So when I pick a, a preacher curl weight – I base it on the hardest part of the rep, not on the easier part. So, yeah. so the easier part I could do all day long with whatever weight, and I mean whatever weight I'm using. But it's that end part. I really focus on that stretch and feeling the tension at the end, yeah. and then coming out of it because that's the, what that exercise is really good at. So, if your bicep training is getting boring, the odds are what's happening is you're doing, you're considering them all the same. Oh, it's all the same exercise. i all hitting the biceps. I'm just doing barbell and dumbbell curls, and, and that's it. No, no, no. When you start. Understanding these things, it gets real fun. And I haven't even touched on machines. Machines provide a whole different uh, element of, you know, positions of tension and where you're feeling it the most and whatever. Consider that when you're putting together oh, your Oh, of workout. course,
3: especially since this is a case where we recommend it when you're talking about uh, ancillary you know or other other your auxiliary muscles that are your working small isolation exercises machines are great for that and mm-hmm. they and biceps in particular i think a lot of the the machines that they've designed are pretty cool for that for both
0: biceps Absolutely. Next question is from Johnny olives you guys rag a lot on running do you think running can be done efficiently and effectively if so how would you go about doing this
1: Okay so great topic great topic here's the reason why we rag on running cuz Nine out of ten people don't do it right. Yeah, and they That's don't it. learn it first. That's it. it now, uh, I'm going to be very, very clear. Uh, historically, okay, um, humans are for, forever, since the beginning of time, there's a couple physical things that humans evolved to do very well. We're not like very physical creatures like most animals. Like, we're not the strongest. We're not the, you know, but one, there's a couple things that we do really, really well. We run really fucking well. When it, when you get a human who's been running since birth and they've been doing it and they're hunter gatherers and they're ex- humans can actually outrun for distance almost any animal. In fact, there's a race that's done that w- that was done for years where you would have a it was a distance race and a man it was a man versus horse and there were times when the man would win. And horses are way faster than humans. We just have a we we are literally built to run. So, can you do running efficiently and effectively? Yes. Here's the problem: most people in modern societies they pick up running when they're already adults. Too late, you know. It's 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 this now you now you've got to like retrain a skill that you completely that you never developed
3: as a child, except for maybe playing and the prob- at recess. The problem with that is not. I don't know if many people <laughs> you have. To, you have to take this into consideration when you bring up and you talk about uh, what we evolved to, and we and we and we. Paint this picture of a hunter-gatherer tribe, you know, thousands of years ago, and something that you have to also envision them doing, besides running barefoot and skipping, uh, skipping across the land, is them sitting around a fire, yay, in a in a baby position and able to. They have their mobility is insane. Still. Oh yeah, they're 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 not they're not used to sitting in cars and sitting at desks all day long, and and their body starting to form and shape into this, you know, ex- excessive anterior pelvic tilt and upper cross syndrome with the rounded shoulders. And so this is what's happening to we we have we've evolved to this. Or the the new human posture doesn't look like the the, you know, the hunter gatherer tribe thousands of years ago. That's right. What it looks like now is this forward head, rounded shoulders, this this butt tilted. Like that's what we look like. And then we decide to take that evolved human and say, Hey, I'm 25, I'm 30, whatever age you are. And I want to get in shape and I'm, or I want to get into running and, and you just start running. And then you ask a question like this, like, how do I get better at running? And you, you think it's like the sport of running that you need to improve. But really what it is, is you're, you're mechanically broken or your body has been formed and shaped in a way that is not advantageous for running and pounding on the ground for thousands of steps, you know, in a short period of time. No. So you you have to understand that You have that to when, appreciate it. Yeah. You have to understand that when you say things like we're you know, we evolved to run. Well yeah, we evolved to run back then, but we're not we you know what we're evolved to do now? Sit at a computer. Mm. We've evolved to sit at a desk and work for 15 hours and drink soylent. Like that's what we've evolved to do yeah, now. Yeah. That's what our bodies well, look like now. Well,
1: so are you guys familiar with? Uh, have you ever heard the term feral children? Have you yeah. ever heard about uh-huh. these before? Yeah. So th- these are real situations where they found a-, a child that you know was abandoned in the wilderness. It was like raised by animals. Raised sometimes. by animals. And there's actually a few cases where this happened. And they'll find these kids when they're like 13, 14 years old. And they'll, these are kids that never learned how to speak because they were out and they act like the animals that they were around. And what they end up doing is they, tr- they try to teach these children how to behave in modern society or, or however modern the society was when they found them. Cause I think the last one was like 1920s or, or late 1800s and they try to teach them how to speak English and all that stuff forever, forever. These children could never develop the speech skills that other kids could develop because they lost all that time in the beginning of those formidable development years. Now they did learn how to speak and communicate, but they never evolved. They never got to the point where they could talk like a normal person because the brain at that point had done a lot of its, the the, the crazy growth and stuff. So here's what happens to you now. You are now a modern human. You are not a hunter gatherer. You, you go work, your mom and dad put shoes on you the second you could walk yeah. and you were not running all day long you were not hunting with your dad you were not if you ran it was at the playground and especially today almost never and so then you're 20 something year old 30 something year old 40 year old something year old person and like i want to start running i'm going to learn how to run can you improve your running you definitely can and you can but but here's the thing put a lot of time and effort into it and also understand this you'll never ever develop the skills to be able to run like somebody who was running Their entire lives. And the reason why I'm saying that is not to discourage you to not run. It's to to tell you to appreciate this. Because when you go out and run, treat it like a skill. Treat it exactly like a skill. Stop doing it to work out. Instead of working out with running treat it like a skill that you're learning each time.
2: Well, that's the differentiating factor. And I think that you really have to understand what your goal is with running. Like, and and if you can kind of determine that, because for me, it's always been more anaerobic running and sprinting. And that's like something that I want to like know the exact mechanics of how to, you know, best display uh, power and, and, you know, ground forces and, you know, what that looks like on my takeoff, what that looks like and how to manage, you know, my body at a certain angle to to be most efficient and then, you know, what is my, you know, what, what does that look like too, like, you know, in terms of my stride and how can I can improve my speed and, you know, in terms of like speed and all that, that's what, that would be my goal as an athlete is to get better at these bursts and, and things mm-hmm. like that in terms of using and utilizing running mechanics. Now, if you're just in it for endurance. That looks completely different. Mm-hmm. That's a totally different gait. That's a totally different uh, mechanical process. And so you have to go down that uh, you know you know that road and, and find those exact mechanics that are well, most th- ideal you, for you, energy management.
3: You hit it right on the head, Justin. With it, you have to first determine your goal. I think the biggest uh, problem that I have with running is most people that are doing it are doing it for the wrong reasons. So, for example, like if you want to do something that is uh, endurance based that is meditative like you go I want to I feel amazing when I when I go out and run and it serves this amazing purpose for me to meditate and it it alleviates stress in your life and it makes you a better human being like fucking there's nothing wrong with that I don't see anything wrong now I also still think that there's other forms of endurance training that could probably be healthier for your body but if running is something you love to do then by all means if your goal is I want to lose body fat running may or may not be the most ideal thing for this this person if your goal is to be overall healthy it may or may not be the best thing for you and i think that's the the thing is most of the time when i i hear people or i had clients that wanted to run it, a lot of times it was for the reason like Sal alluded to at the very beginning of this conversation, which is, you know, they just all of a sudden they decide that they want to lose weight. And they want to keep sweat. Get, yeah, and, they, and, they, and they're doing it with the intention to burn oh. calories. Look, so. look, look,
1: here's the problem with running. I'll put it I'll, in a nutshell. It's the least respected form of exercise, okay? And I don't mean that like I don't respect it as a fitness professional. Right, I right, mean, right. the average person respects running the least. The average person, if you tell them, hey, you want to go start lifting weights? The average person will think, oh, I got to learn how to do that first. They don't, nobody says that about running. Everybody's like, oh, just go out and run. Just go out and run. Dude, nobody an example, respects
2: it. Yeah, example of that is just look at the app store. Look at all the fitness apps. What, what is the majority of them? Running. Running. People think it's, it's the so, easiest, uh, no, no bench uh, barrier to entry.
1: That's what they think, right? They right. think it's, they, they don't respect it. Here's my, here's my advice. If you want to run, fine. No problem with that whatsoever. Respect the fuck right. out of it. Either hire a coach, or and I think hiring a running coach would be worth its weight in gold mm-hmm. if it, running is something you really want to do. You, the, the benefits you would get from that would be far exceed the amount of money that it will cost uh, to, to to hire the coach. So hire a coach. If you can't afford that, go online, practice running. Don't run to work out, but treat it like a skill. Go outside, practice it. And here's what happens when you practice something. Your form goes to shit when you get tired. So guess how much running you're going to do? Very little at first. You're going to run. As soon as you get tired, stop. Go back. Okay, let me practice my mechanics. Do it again. Practice, practice, practice. Give yourself a long time before you get to the point where you're going out and just doing runs. When I say a long time, I mean, again, respect it. It could take you a year, two years, or longer, but if you do that, then you're not going to run into all the problems that we see people running into uh, when they go and run for a workout. Next question is from Joe
0: did 29. If someone has 29. been in Sorry. a prolonged caloric deficit and then starts binging, how would that affect their metabolism? Oh wow.
1: Binging? So there was that study that came out that showed that um and I think it was a uh, I want to say it was an animal study but we think this happens in humans too where they put at these animals in a caloric deficit and then they overfed them, so they didn't just go up to normal amount of food. They, they, they binged them, basically, with lots and lots of food. And what they found was two things. One was suspected that everybody thought would happen. They would gain body fat, right? The body's going to try to capture all these calories and store them because that's what bodies do really well. But here was the other thing that was unexpected. They added the number of fat cells. Right. So, so not Isn't that o- what L- Elaine Norton brought up on our show. Yeah. So not only did the fat cells get bigger, but they added more fat cells. And the theory is that the the the, the body, when uh you know when exposed to all these calories after being in a deficit, not only does it want to store the calories, but it wants to increase its capacity to store calories. It wants to get better at getting fat mm. because this is a situation. That may happen again, yeah. and your body wants to take advantage of all these calories. Remember, your body looks at these calories like money. Like, oh shit! Imagine this. Okay, let me use an analogy. Let's imagine, uh, let's pretend it's not calories. Let's pretend it's money, and you're making a little bit of money, and it's really hard. And, and so you think, oh shit, it's really hard to come across a lot of money. It's hard times, um, and you have a bank account, and the bank account limit is five thousand dollars, so you can't store more than five thousand dollars. But right now, you're, you're you're you only have ten bucks in there. And then all of a sudden, you come up on all this cash. You got 10 grand. You can only put five grand in there. The rest, let's imagine you have nowhere else to put it. The next thing you're going to do is get another bank account. Because you're like, fuck, if this happens again, yeah. I need to be able to save this money. So that's what happens with your body. It adds more fat cells with a binge after a calorie deficit. So, And I think this is what happens when we see these competitors mm-hmm. go through this cutting and binging state. You ever notice this? You watch them do these competitions, and they have a terrible offseason. They all just pig out and go crazy, yeah. and Dude, each time it's harder.
3: All them have to be harder. So yeah. they, they, uh, I forget what the term is. There's the the bodybuilding community has a a term for this, and what a lot of them do is they they take off a few shows and they just let their body you know reset. But what this is exactly what's happening? It gets to harder and harder. Yeah, and, and anybody who's listening, I'm sure it can totally relate to this. The, and this is the science that supports that. What we're talking about right now is you know how many people have can recall or have said this. like Man, I remember it used to be so easy when I wanted to get lean. I remember, and I I used to say this, I used to say I'm two weeks out to be pool ready any time of the year. No matter how I was eating, no matter how inconsistent or whatever I was with the gym, like I could two weeks, I could dial it in, Get myself in the gym and boom, I would be back in good enough shape to hit the pool. Like I used to say that. Like that is not fucking true anymore. Yeah. Like if if I'm out of shape or I've d- even slightly fallen out of shape, the work to get back in shape is 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 harder. And it's compounding as I get older. And I notice that. And this is part of the reason why is I know every time I put on extra body fat that I'm a- I'm adding fat cells, which is making it that much more difficult for me to lean back out. Now again. To be,
1: and to be clear, the the adding the fat cells has been observed with a binge, not with With a normal... Yeah, it's an extreme. Surplus, yes. Right,
2: and it only makes sense, too, because, like, I mean, I I think of it like feast famine. Like, I mean, the body is really smart in terms of, like, being predictive towards its environment. And so... You know, like it, that DNA, like, of course that had carried with us till now. Like, why wouldn't we still have that within us in terms of like trying to survive? And so, you know, that's the best way to survive is to is your body to predict these. It, once it feels like it's in a state where everything is more extreme like that, then it's going to, you know, go into that sort of mentality, that mode to, to preserve that energy. Style. Right.
1: So the ideal thing to do after a prolonged calorie deficit is to come out of it slowly. That's the ideal thing to do. Now, here's the problem, and here's why binging is so common. It's the psychological piece of being in a deficit. When you're in a deficit for a long time, you are, uh, you are in essence, uh, tyrannizing yourself. In essence, you're saying to yourself, no, you can't. You can't. All right. Can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. Then when that date is up and you can, you don't just go back to normal. You rebel. It's like all this pent-up energy for all the, those weeks of of tyranny, where now you're at and you're like, I'm going fucking crazy. It's no different than those kids that you know s- live in a super overprotective home, go off to college, and fucking pass out every weekend and binge drink because they're just like, ah, you know, the reins yeah. are off. So, and th- and this is true for for most behaviors. So, uh, understand this, and here's the secret to this: the secret is when you go into your deficit, also have the understanding that you're going to come out of it slowly. Mm-hmm. That's that's the best strategy. This is,
3: this is also uh, the thing that I warn people about intermittent fasting, you know, or fasting in general, mm-hmm. because you know the, there's so much positive stuff around fasting and where it's been the, uh, a buzzword for the last two or three years. But the one thing you got to be careful of is, I mean, boy, is that quickly canceled out if you fast for twenty-four to forty hours and then you turn right back around the next day and you yep. you and overconsume it, in, yeah, yeah, and you and you binge. In like, fact, it's actually or you fast too much.
1: Uh, there's a lot of people that find that alluring like for example if, and I think this, there's a book that's like the every other day there, diet. no
3: there was a they did a, there was a kick that people were on that was the fast for five days and then binge like crazy on yeah, the yes. and people well, love it that called? I there, there that. was a diet that was eat, popular stop eat yeah. or something like yeah. that yeah. and yeah.
1: people love it you know why they love it because it feeds right into this this phenomena this this uh, pathology of in the, the psychology of of how people uh, eat so uh, at the end of the day go into your deficit knowing you're going to come out slowly yeah
0: Next question is from Kohler Roman. Describe a typical day of eating—not a perfect day, but a typical day from breakfast to your last meal.
1: So they—they want to know what we each. Our, I'm assuming.
3: Cr-
0: yeah, what we're each at the currently
3: moment currently eating right now. Mine is way different, and it's been mm. since we've had this show. Like I'm probably the most uh, inconsistent for staying looking the same. Like I just mine is mine. Not it. Mine always reflects what my training looks like. And, you know, I learned this quite some time ago as a trainer that, you know, I couldn't, you couldn't just eat the same way all the time. Like I had to learn to understand that I go through these phases. I go through phases of playing in a men's basketball league to rowing and swimming and into heavy into bodybuilding and training. And so, and that's, this is why too, I'm also really big on, you know, these, these trackers where I can kind of keep an idea and I, and I, and you'll see me, I'll be wearing the aura ring or the Fitbit and I'll, and I'll do it for a while and I won't be. And really why I like to do this just to give me a little, you know, bird's eye view of what, where I'm at, because I've, I've been somewhere from the guy who only steps two to 4,000 steps a day and only trains two to three days a week to the whole other side of the spectrum where I'm doing 20,000 steps training seven days a week, heavy, intense lifting to everything in the middle of that. And so as I go through those phases, I'm always manipulating and and changing my diet. Right now, I'm for sure at the, the lowest volume of training. In fact, I think it's even been about six six days since I lifted I just we got back from uh, a vacation I didn't lift while I was out there uh, first day back we were crazy with guests and busy yesterday so I didn't train uh, we're getting ready to take off again today so I may not train so uh, my volume of training extremely low right now now I'm still rowing or swimming on a very regular basis so You're still active yeah so I'm still uh, active but really that's low activity for me to, mm-hmm. to have a day where, or a week where maybe all I did was row three times in that week or swim three times a week is not a lot of activity. So my, my caloric intake is as low as like 2,500 on some days right now. And on a crazy high day, it would be maybe 3,500, which when I've been in my competing days, that would be a cutting 3,500 would be cutting for, for a show. So I think what's important about as we all go through and talk about kind of what we're eating right now I think you need to, you, you have to understand that, right? Like, so it's not what I tell you right now. So, oh, wow, Adam eats like this. I should like, well, no, that's no. just right now. Right. It's just right now. So, you know, yesterday, this is uh, yesterday I had uh, four of the sous vide eggs from Starbucks.
1: You're, you're making them a fortune right now with all those yeah. eggs. <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm eating those a lot right <laughs> yeah. now.
3: So, that's a very typical day. So, it's uh, uh, quick and easy for me. It's across the street. And if I didn't have time to make breakfast or whatever, uh, and if I don't do that, a lot of times I, I fast till lunch right now. So there's many times where I don't have breakfast. I'm, I'm, I'm not fed right now and we're coming up on noon. So I'm, I'm not fed. Uh, and but so back to yesterday, I, I had the four sous vide eggs. Uh, then I had Luna, which is our, our favorite, like, uh, you know, um, you know, Mexican me- restaurant, Yeah, Mexican restaurant that is like, everything's all organic and natural. It's uh, their, their, their bowls are really good. So I get like a, a steak, uh, black bean, and what else is in there? The rice. Oh yeah, and a rice and avocado type of a bowl, and I get double meat uh, in there. Anytime I eat out, I'm always double the meat because uh, most places only serve four to six ounces of meat, and if I'm only eating two or three times a day, I've got to get a double serving of protein just to even come close to my targets. My final meal in the evening was uh, Katrina and I went to um, uh, what's my the fish restaurant, fish market. And I had uh, about 16 ounces of sea bass uh, with some re- uh, veggies and red potatoes, and that was. Oh, and then I had a um, a smoothie box shake in, in the evening. So that was that's like a day for me right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty low calorie, uh, eating out twice um but not, you're
1: maintaining you're not you're not you're not gaining body fat. I'm not, not gaining
3: yeah. I'm not getting fatter I'm not if anything I'm probably losing a little bit of muscle because of the volume of training I know that uh in in order for me to maintain a good amount of muscle mass on my body I need to be hitting training a lot uh so I do notice that that I'm I'm, I'm losing some of my size but again it's not a priority right now and it can I can switch it up any day
1: yeah. so for for me and again this what Adam was saying about f- food intake matching activity and goals I think that's Kind of true for all of us. Mm-hmm. Now I'm I'm extremely consistent with uh, resistance training. I, I I I don't I almost never miss a workout, but my workouts are different uh, depending on what I'm doing for uh, you know a particular time. At the moment, I've been ramping up my my volume. I've been ramping up the the intensity of my training. I've been going through this process now. It's been probably a six week process of doing so, and I'm at the point now where in some workouts. <clears throat> I'm doing as much as uh, 50 or more sets in that whole workout. These are full body workouts, so I'm hitting every body part and I'm doing three exercises per body part, typically three sets each on my longer workout. So right now my volume is high. I'm training quite a bit. Those are three workouts a week and then the days in between I'll do, uh, I walk almost every day, so Jessica and I will do a walk in the morning or at night. Um, and, or I'll do uh, like mobility and core work, which I've been also ramping up. So that's how I've been training so far and I've been feeling really good. And so the way I've been feeding myself is to push uh, muscle growth and push performance. So my calories have been higher. In fact, uh, Justin was commenting on how thick I was losing, looking recently, and I don't. I think it was thick around the middle. I think it was what he was talking about. No, <laughs> oh, yeah, you, yeah, you were. You get, no,
2: you're, you're big, jerk. big guy. Yeah, He's <laughs> secure <guy>. security. <laughs> yeah, so I have put He's on. take compliment. I put. But.
1: I have put on a little bit more, uh, more weight. Uh, some of it's muscle, some of it's body fat. You're more huggable, dude. I appreciate that. Yeah. Oh, psh, I'm gonna keep going then. Yeah. Uh. So. So typical day right now. Uh, I'll. I'll. I'll do my workout in the morning, or sometimes I'll work out in the afternoon. Nonetheless, I'll have uh, 8 to 10 egg yolks. I don't eat the white because uh, egg whites tend to bother my, my, my stomach. So I'll eat egg yolks, 8 to 10, and I'll, I'll do them over easy, and I'll, do, I'll put them in a bowl of rice. This is a, a Japanese breakfast that I, I learned um, from Doug years ago. I think he told me about it. I thought that would be delicious. So I have a bowl of rice. In the bowl of rice is probably, if I were to measure it, um, I'd say probably a cup and a half of cooked rice, maybe, maybe more, uh, eight to 10 egg yolks, and then I'll have a bowl of uh, cooked vegetables. Um, later on in the day, I'll typically have another serving of rice or another form of starchy carbohydrate that doesn't have um, gluten in it usually. So it could be potato, it could be rice, it could be grits, it could be buckwheat, or it could be oatmeal. Um, and then I'll have a, a decent serving of meat uh, depending on what we made the night before, so chicken or beef, and it's usually about 8 to 10 ounces worth. Um, sometimes I go more than that. And again, another serving of vegetables. Um, then I'll have uh, a snack, and we have skinny-dipped almonds here all the time, and I'll usually eat one bag of those a day because they're really delicious and the macros are, uh, are pretty good. Mm. Um, and then uh, in the evening, uh, I'll usually eat another – serving of some kind of starchy carbohydrate, vegetables, and some kind of protein. Usually, it's a red meat in the evening, um, so it could be uh, bison meat, it could be steak, um, or lamb meat, um, usually in the evening, and, and occasionally, I'll have fish, and, and that's kind of pretty much it. it. It's not a ton of calories, but it's relatively high calorie, but even though I'm lifting weights hard, uh, the rest of the day, I'm doing shit. For activity. Like, we are sitting in a cave right now, and we do not move. We don't even get sunlight in here. Um, And so I I can't push my calories too high because I'll just get fat because I'm just not moving that much. My metabolism is relatively fast because I've I've built a decent amount of muscle. So I'm still eating a decent amount of calories, but I know my activity is super low because, again, we come in here, and we're sitting all day long, no sunlight, no nothing, which is not great for the circadian rhythm and all that stuff. But that's a typical day right now. Um, and then if my if if my gut goes off, uh, like we were just on a on a trip with uh, I was on, went on a trip with Justin, his family, and Doug and his family, and uh, we ate garbage pretty much the entire time. I mean, it was like you know it was burgers and you know Mexican food and tacos and chips and all that stuff. And when I end what ends up happening is my gut will be a little off. I'll feel more inflamed and stiff in my joints, and I'll have to eat really good for like two or three days. Get thing bal- things things back to balance, and sometimes I have to fast a little bit, not to make up for the calories, but just to give my my gut uh, a break uh, so that it can you know get healthy again. Yeah,
2: yeah, I, I try and keep it really simple. Just uh, Dunkin' Donuts, just don- donuts and bacon.
1: <laughs>
0: it's, it's, <laughs> d-
2: dunkin' Donuts, bacon that's and the, cheese. It's the mind pump, Justin's <laughs> nutrition diet. <laughs> <laughs> You're yeah, gonna give him a complex, Adam. You butter, <laughs> lots of butter sh- and cheese and bacon because he
3: hesitates. That's why he it gives, <laughs> gives me an opportunity to insert
2: something yeah, there. Yeah, no, I love it, dude. I, this is the most boring, you know, conversation ever. Just FYI, <laughs> yeah. I didn't give a shit about what you guys eat. Um, but uh, yeah, I have like scrambled eggs and bacon in the morning. I mean, if you really want to know, and you know, I have some nitro coffee. And then around lunchtime, I mean I'm I'm pretty much I stick with with uh, you know more meat with uh, vegetables until later like at night I'll have carbs. I'll, I'll keep it to rice and potatoes typically because I'm trying to stay away from you know gluten uh, just because of that fact that it's I've figured out and pinpointed that it really does you know aggravate and accelerate my acid reflux and it happens pretty immediately. So
1: It's crazy cuz I've seen you do it. You'll eat it and then I'll see you popping Tums right afterwards. Just, I have
2: to. And that, that's the annoying part for me is that I still have to keep that like on hand in my truck or like mm. on me because I need like it fucking sucks. Yeah, like, it's 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 bad. So um yeah, I mean I I do I do like um I'll add st- like like you do with like skinny dip almonds. I'll do that like mainly. I'll throw some more like there before a workout, you know, and I'll use that as a source sometimes along with like fruit or like you know some apples. You'll see me eating that with, and I'll bring my. You always laugh at my lunch because it's just like <laughs> yeah. it's just like chicken breasts or like a steak.
1: Well, no, dude, it's because now that it's now that an Apple now that know? Courtney's at home, uh, Justin comes into work with, with a lunch pail, a lunch. Pale, yeah. Like, yeah,
3: like a kid's lunch. Like pale. a Transformers one. Yeah, and then no, you op- it's Star Wars, bro. It's Star Wars. Oh, yeah, come on, And then yeah, he right.
1: o- he opens it and it's like it's like perfectly portioned. Like you could tell his wife made it for him, all cute and everything. Like yeah. here's your little chicken breast, here's and I a little- dunk
2: it in a little tiny thing of barbecue. Yeah, sauce and she gives him a little con-
1: a little reusable container of barbecue sauce. Gluten <laughs> free, yeah,
2: yeah, low sugar. Yeah, yeah, it's
1: yeah. you're blessed. You're yeah, blessed,
2: yeah. I love it, dude. Yeah. I love having that. But uh, I mean, yeah, like just try and keep it as simple as possible. I mean, uh, you know, dinner. For all the meat that we get from butcher box like I'm trying to get through all of that half the time and so I'm like trying to maybe lower my cadence with that but uh, it, it forces me to grill a lot of it up and then we just use it in all kinds of different dishes most of my diversity just comes from vegetables so I'll just throw it's either like peppers you know uh, 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 Brussels sprouts uh, asparagus you, you guys belong to that, broccoli that
1: farm right mm-hmm. or whatever that delivers vegetables to you yeah door. it's like
2: it's a CSA so that's where we get most of our produce which I, I love it. Idea, oh right. my god! It, 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 it's funny because it I look forward to because it, it really makes me feel good. You know yeah. my body like really feels. Uh, you know the benefits from those high nutrient you know uh, vegetables. So yeah,
1: that's what I notice a lot too. Is is if I if I eat vegetables, uh, two to three times a day, two to three servings of vegetables a day, mm-hmm. I feel my best. Absolutely yeah. my best because I'm not going to miss my protein. I always will eat my protein, and carbs will come and go. But if I miss my vegetables, it's I can tell. I can tell in my digestion, and then I can tell in my energy and and, and how I, I just feel totally. better. Makes yeah. it makes a big difference. Yeah, and, then, and, and you know the other thing too is you know in, in terms of a, a typical day of eating, and you're hearing how we eat the foods that we tend to eat. Uh, you know Justin and I in particular, and Adam pretty, pretty soon, it's kind of how our kids will eat as well, and because mm-hmm. those are the foods that we have in the house. Um, and, and I could, I don't know about you, Justin, but man, when we were on the trip and our kids were eating all that garbage, Whoa,
2: they're maniacs when you saw them, you know, dipping into cookies and stuff like that. Yeah, and oh, I, I
1: let them enjoy it. And we have fun because yeah, I, we, I don't want to not trying to be freaking crazy about it. N- no, but did you, I don't know about you, but my, my kids aren't the same for like two days after uh huh I could tell, like they're yeah. not sleeping the same. They're not acting the same. You know, I took my- There's a little
2: more fights happening. Oh, I took my kids
1: to the movies yesterday. My daughter's freaking out because I didn't buy her the biggest popcorn that they have. And I'm like, oh, it's crazy. It develops those. Why? Because we've had three days of eating garbage. Now she wants more garbage. Totally. It is very interesting. Anyhow, look, go to mindpumpfree.com and download our guides. They're all free and they're all extremely valuable. You can also find Adam, Justin, and myself on Instagram. Uh, We have our own personal pages. That's right. Justin's page is Mind Pump Justin, my page is Mind Pump Sal, and Adam is Mind Pump Adam.
0: Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes Maps Anabolic, Maps Performance, and Maps Aesthetic.